Revelation 12:11 describes tribulation saints this way. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You know why they didn't love their lives? They were their love was directed toward the Lord. That's that self-love hogwash that so many people hear throughout their lives, a lot of them. Uh, they, you don't have to, the Bible says, no man ever hated his flesh. You don't have to tell somebody to love themselves. And I, I heard this when I was a kid. They'd be uh, another kid who's a troublemaker and always picking fights or uh, getting in trouble, whatever. And they'd say, he, he lacks self-esteem. He lacks self-esteem. That's his problem. That's not his problem. He's a dirty, rotten sinner. That's his problem. He needs to repent. And most of the time, that is true. You can see it. that they, That's all they think about themselves. You know what cures all that is when you repent of your sin toward God. The heart of repentance Self-esteem is the answer. I don't understand Christians, how they go this. Where does the Bible ever say that? Show me the scripture that tells us that we're supposed to run around telling all the troublemakers, you know what, you just need to love yourself more. NIV, yeah. I don't even think it's in there. I, I looked, yeah, but I looked in those new versions. I did. I thought maybe they just changed. That's one thing I can't find in those new versions. You know where it comes from? People are always trying to fix God's program up. God didn't get it right. So we got to fix it up. Got to come up with our own stuff. That's basically all psychology is today. You go to your psychologist, go to your psychiatrist, uh, AA, cure is worse than the disease. You talk to people who get involved in that stuff, they're, they're the most carnal people you'll ever deal with. They claim to be a Christian, some of them, but they are not Bible believers. And I've, I've listened to the meetings and I've read their materials. If you're a Bible believer, it should make you want to barf. You spend hours reading AA stuff and it doesn't tell you anything about Jesus Christ. Spend hours reading the psychology garbage. Go to a psychologist. Talk to them. Every once in a while you run across one that claims to be a Christian, but they're not going to give you biblical counsel. They'd, they'd have no reason to exist if they did. You ever think about that? Might be in the back of their mind, but their motivation is keep their business running. And a lot of them, that's what it is. They, they just need you to keep coming back. So that's what, that's what the doctors do now. They don't cure people. They just get you hooked so you keep coming back. And you stay on those, what do they call those meds? Uh, maintenance medications. So you're always on, you know. Yeah, Johnny? It reminds me of the philosophers. I think they're the same thing. Where they don't ever want to actually find the answer. They just want to keep arguing about what the answer is. And there's some who have made that connection and, and said that's all a psychologist is. A one-on-one -on -one philosophy discussion. Mary? The Al-Anon, a lot of them at the end, it says, keep coming back. It works if you work it and you're worth it. That is their motto. <laughs> but you're stuck. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Yeah, but Xenos, I've told people that uh, I had people give me some CDs. I listened to the founding, one of the founding pastors 
talk about how he's on meds. He goes to the psychotherapist, and he says, I'm, and I'll do it the rest of my life. Sucker. Stand up there as a pastor and telling the world that this book and the Spirit of God is not going to help you. Get hooked on the dope, get into the system, and stay there. Just amazing. Why anybody just sit there and listen to that and not get up and walk out? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. See there? That temptation in that uh, context includes, uh, it's more like a tribulation and persecution. What, when, you know what you're tempted to do when you get in under persecution? You're tempted to quit. <laughs> you're tempted to pull a Peter before Pentecost. What did Peter do before Pentecost? Hit the road. Yeah. And the fourth crown listed is the crown of glory. Who's got 1 Peter 5? Brian, verses 1 through 4, if you would. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensemples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So the chief shepherd is Jesus. The pastor, a uh, good phrase for pastor would be under-shepherd. And only inasmuch as I am teaching you the word of God, is there any authority? Pastor's authority is not in his being called pastor with a capital P or in his ordination or anything. Scripturally speaking, the only authority that a pastor has is really no different than your authority. What's your authority? Scripture. If you're going to come up and tell me and correct me about something without the Bible, you know, but, uh, you know, a lot of these preachers are, we've talked about it, how they just, they're more franchise, head, heads of a franchise, not the under-shepherd head of the local church, not leading by example. There's this story of a guy, at, uh, he's a multi-millionaire, and uh, he, they told him he probably wouldn't last through the night, and he's still alert enough to request they call his attorney and his pastor and so the attorney shows up the pastor shows up and he asks the lawyer to come over on this side he asks the pastor to come on this side and he said take me by the hand and they did and he said I just want to die like Jesus between two thieves John. <laughs> uh, what I observed over the years with the pastors is the um, one, they're a pastor, but the other part, they're a businessman. They're running a business. The church is always called a business. So therefore, they didn't have to always obey the pastor part because they were running a business. 
Yeah, there's the problem because you, there's always business involved with anything. You know, we pay our bills, and yeah. you know, we have some business to take care of. But that's all. The more we do, the what's your focus? What's your what's your goal? What's your drive? Is another thing. A lot of these ministers you're talking about, their drive is to see an increase in in uh, butts in the pews. Okay, again, the missing note. That's fine if you're doing that by preaching and teaching and drawing people to Christ and to the Word. But they just want numbers. And they want to see the numbers in the offering plate go up. But they don't want that to happen because they're growing spiritually and when God blesses, they give more, that kind of thing. They just want, they just run it just like a business, you know. That's the problem of it. Yeah. The Bible talks, I mean, Jesus was about his father's business. Yeah. That's not, that's not milk and the sheep. Yeah. That's not the Father's business. There have been a couple of times people, you know, uh, ask me about pastoring somewhere else. And um, I would never do that. Uh, I don't foresee that happening at all, but I would only do that if the Lord had been putting it on my heart. But uh, then I've had a couple of people talk to me about it and say, you know, you pastor that church over there, they, they pay, you know, right? You're not getting any money down here, you know. Well, if that's my motivation to be, I'd be packing my bags. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what am I living for? These crowns. <laughs> you know, if I got in a situation where I needed uh, some pay, and I'd tell you, and you were able to and wouldn't do it, they'd tell me you don't really want me as your pastor. But I'm not in that position to ask. I'm not asking for a pay or anything like that. Uh, pay raise uh, from, a, from a dollar to whatever you want to give me. <laughs> um, it's funny, though. Uh, uh, even in the past, when I was in financial, uh, strapped financially, and things were rough, and I prayed about going to the church and saying, I need to have some more money to survive and to keep going but then I'd, I'd say no Lord I'm just going to trust you and sure enough I've told the story a number of times had a lady call me up and offer me a free car I've had a guy call me up and give me a couple thousand dollars worth of suits had people uh, mail me out of the blue uh, money and I didn't tell people I was even needing it Just, but there it was when I needed it so that's a lot more fun. <laughs> so the fifth crown listed is the crown of incorruption. Some just call it the incorruptible crown, but I like to stay with our pattern here. Crown ofs. The crown of incorruption, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 from Janie there. For ye know not that which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mystery is temperate in all things. Now they do it, not obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And uh, you have some people try to say again that that's just referring to being saved. Well... That sure would make it look like works for salvation, wouldn't it? 
I don't think that's for uh, just being saved. I think that's running the race. It says that he may obtain uh, the mastery, uh, being temperate in all things. It goes on to describe more about what he's talking about, verse 26, 27 there. He said, I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my uh, keep under my body and bring it into subjection. So that's about, uh, a lot to do with self-control. Christians who've uh, uh, fallen into sexual sin and destroyed their testimony, for example. Um, that would, But it's not just that. Money, Christians who ruin their testimony by embezzlement. Uh, Christians who, uh, one, way, one way or another, lose that crown. So we're just giving you the reminder of these five crowns. Rejoicing, righteousness, life, glory, and incorruption. And we started with that crown of rejoicing. All of our crowns are only possible, though, because of the crown Jesus wore. And I think a key to the other crowns is when you have that perspective. Uh, There's numerous passages we could have quoted. Romans 12, 1 and 2, that by the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why? It's only reasonable. He's died for you. He wore the crown of thorns, saved you from hell. What's your response? Live for him who died for me. (laughs) So let's close by reading portion that we read yesterday in our BBF reading calendar. Mark 15. Verses 15 through 20. Um, yeah, Mark 15. Join me in the even. I'll start reading verse 15. And so Pilate willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they put the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. So when you think of the crowns, you think of the crowns that you want to earn, think of the fact that they're all made possible because of Jesus wearing the crown of thorns. All right, we'll pick up in chapter 3 next week. Lord willing and the church don't rise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for those who are able to meet with us tonight in the flesh. And we do pray for those who are kept away from uh, due to illness or work or whatever the case may be. And we just thank you, Lord, that we are given this information to be motivated that we could have crowns to throw at your feet when we stand before you one day. 
and uh, to be reminded of the crown that you wore. But one day we are going to crown you with many crowns. And we stand in your presence and you are at and on a throne in heaven right now. One day to sit on your throne in Jerusalem. King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for what you've done to save those of us who will be with you in your kingdom. We pray in your precious name, in the name of Jesus, amen.